most of human history, people have parented the way their parents and grandparents did, with culture providing the cues. We call this Parenting 1.0. For various reasons, parents began to question these approaches, and we started turning more and more to so-called experts to learn to parent. This was the beginning of Parenting 2.0. This allowed for some real advances, but also a lot of confusion as we got further and further away from our natural parenting instincts. Parenting 3.0 is about reclaiming those instincts and integrating them with our current understanding of child development. It brings together the wisdom of the past with the best scientific and psychological research of the present. Parenting 3.0 isn't a fad or a quick fix. It's a set of principles that allows us to engage with our kids and life from an informed and empowered place. I'm Jai Flicker. And I'm Deb Blum. Welcome, Welcome to, to Parenting, Parenting 3.0. Hey everyone. Welcome back. This is part four of our attachment series and we are going to be talking today about the loving alpha. The idea that to have a healthy and effective relationship and even a more enjoyable relationship, enjoyable time at parenting, we need to have a hierarchical relationship with our children. So that's what we're gonna dive deep into today and we hope you love it. So right before we started recording, you started saying something and yeah. I said, I don't know what it is, so I'm curious. <laughs> and I, th- I thought I could just feel like this might be a good way to mm. open up our conversation. So mm. here we go. Mm. What I was going to say is that I actually feel moved to tears in some ways. That um, I think alpha might be the biggest most important thing that parents can understand and I think I'm moved to tears for multiple reasons and I think one of them is because some part of my being just so knows that this is what our children need and that they're craving this and I don't know, I just, I feel like there's something, I just want to say that alpha, stick with us if you're having any reaction to the word alpha, just because um, it's so much more than maybe what your, what your thoughts are of alpha. You know, I, I know for me, it was the word maybe gave me a little reaction or rubbed me the wrong way in the beginning. Um, though it doesn't at all right now like I feel like I've done a lot of reading and research about alpha not just as it relates to attachment theory but just like alpha male or alpha female and I've I've lost the charge that I had in the past around it okay but the second thing is that I think that the parents need it like I think it's like the the ticket to feeling like we are empowered to feeling like we're not lost in this parenting path and I know that we can take anything like um and take it too far um and I know that there are probably people who associate 
alpha with like domineering and overpowering and controlling. And that is absolutely like, you know, legitimate that you could, an unhealthy alpha maybe could go in that direction. But that's not what this is. And I guess when I, I was just thinking about us starting this conversation and thinking that why is it so meaningful for me? Like, why was I so, it's like, I don't, I almost feel like there's a way that I'm feeling just this seriousness around it. Like it's so important for people to understand alpha and how much it can really change an entire family. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I, love I, it. I was, love it. you know, and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I want to give us permission that we are going to be talking about alpha for the duration of speaking, you know, on this podcast, it's going to get weaved in, in many, for many sure. ways. So I don't want us to feel like, oh, we have to get it exactly right, right now and make complete sense of it. I hope, I kind of hope in the future that we're taking examples of, of like something that a person would be, a family would be dealing with. And then applying attachment theory, including the alpha to that, so that it'll make more sense. So right now we might be a little bit in theory, but then we might move it into some real practical examples over time. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Are you are you kind of thinking that was like was that completely not what you expected me to I say? Mean, oh, I had you... no expectation, <laughs> but I totally I totally agree. I totally agree, and I love that you're putting that level of kind of heartfelt emphasis on it because um, the reality is like almost every basically when 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 parenting goes awry when uh, the parent child relationship gets out of whack it's almost always come uh, related to this this phenomenon of the alpha and and losing that sort of um, position or that sort of um, dynamic with your child, and and I know this myself, both both theoretically as an educator, but also as the parent of a two and a quarter year old, um, and it can feel really difficult to know in in all these different situations uh, how to regain the alpha. Um, but when I do, I'm always just blown away by, oh, that was it again. And how how helpful it is and how at ease it puts my daughter and how much more she listens and how much more she follows my lead and how much more settled she is um, when I really inhabit that. And, and um, so... So yeah, so let's definitely do our best here to connect it to real things so that it's not just theoretical and but but knowing that it's, you know, this stuff takes time to understand and so over over many episodes we'll we'll continue to ground it. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. sounds perfect. Yeah. So um let me just offer a few initial thoughts. Let's just kind of start sketching what it even is, okay? Yeah. Um, so, and I'm going to go right to the, there's there's two things that made me bristle about the alpha. One was the name, as you, as you mentioned, because um, it does sound so kind of macho, 
alpha, you know? Um, <laughs> okay, so, so that made me bristle. And then the next thing that made me bristle was that Neufeld, who's this like total heart-centered psychologist who cares so much about, you know, kids and has devoted his life to helping um, parents and educators and therapists be more effective, um, used, he, he said that the attachment relationship is hierarchical. And I'm just like, I was like, what? And he called it a dirty word. He said, I'm going to use it. It's a dirty word, and especially in these parts, because he was local when he went in person, when he uh, presented that. And I first heard it. But um, the more I um, thought about it, and it has lost its charge for me, too, is that um, is I came to the understanding that that we all need and want people to look up to. Like the easiest person for me is the Dalai Lama. He comes to mind. It's like I look up to him. Mm-hmm. And and you can in the very language itself is is a directional if you want to call it that hierarchical implication of looking up to. And we and I think I think um hierarchy has uh, has some real downsides, of course, and um, a, a, in particular, a dominator hierarchy, a hierarchy of power and oppression, is is obviously going to be harmful. Um, but there are other there are other types of hierarchies that are not that, and this is one of them: the parent-child relationship needs to be hierarchical and um and there's a very simple reason for that and that is when the child feels that they are in a hierarchical relationship and they're in the 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 dependent position of that hierarchy um they feel on a very cellular basic level that there's someone there who knows what's going on who's got it covered, who's keeping them safe, who's pointing them in, the, in a healthy, good direction so they don't have to worry about it. And so then they can relax and trust that and be at ease. And, and so... And be um, a child. And be a child. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so this is the, the sense in which the alpha is hierarchical. And... Um, and I think, I think I was going to make this point earlier. It's like, but when, because we have rejected in many, in many circles, in many cultural circles, we have rejected the idea for good reason of hierarchy. We've, we've, if you don't have that in place, it's, you, you kind of lose in a conscious way, this valuing of those who do have more expertise, who do have more experience, who do have more wisdom. And, and to, I mean, to acknowledge like, Hey, you know what? Yeah. There are some real true leaders out in the world. And and I do look up to them and I do want to follow their lead as, even as an adult is, um, you know, that's like, it's kind of, um, a taboo thing to even say because it implies this like better than and 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 that's not really what it's about 
it's like and, and and it's 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 yet it's such a common thing of like any skill you want to learn you're going to go to someone who knows more about that particular thing it doesn't make them right. inherently better as a person it, but it does mean that i mean why would you go to them if they weren't better at that thing and so right. the, and so this is the this is the nuance that that we're trying to get at here right right and and in this case it's maybe even I have so many thoughts on this. Like, so for one, while I do think that there are people who will bristle at the idea of hierarchy, I think there are also a lot of people who don't bristle at the idea of hierarchy and very yeah. much value hierarchy and yeah. see that that is actually in many ways the way that people can be very successful, even in the workplace, because there are people who do know more. And they actually do need to provide more direction to people at other levels in the organization. And that there's, so there's some people who might say hierarchy is a dirty word and some people who actually really don't see it that way. So I just want to say, I don't, I don't want to just like across the board be saying it's not because, you know, some people believe very much in the hierarchical relationship between a parent and a child in an, in the way of like, I am the boss and I know better than you know, and it can be this, you know, a more oppressive kind of a situation, but they still value it. So it's sort of like differentiating that alpha is not that, and, um, but that we're also not advocating for just complete, like flat, parent-child reciprocal bi-directional peer-to-peer relationship so and the difference is rather than them being better than it's you know it's that the parent actually um you know it's it's just biology it's just a fact that our children are born completely dependent on us and that is something different about human babies compared to other babies i mean even if you look at i think like what like the horse you know like the baby's born and the you know the just kind of trots away and and uh that's not something that that happens with humans and in fact you know now we're talking about what 26 year olds like that's when you're finally mature right you have a mature brain brain. (laughs) and so gelled right and so what that means is it's it's probably like if we could even take out this idea that someone knows more or is better than it's like it's different it's all it's literally necessity our children are they must have someone who takes care of their dependency needs yeah right and so yeah it's so it comes from that and so it's when we get confused about that and we start to think that like we need to be watching for the moment when our child needs to be you know independent or we need to be fostering independence in them or we start to look at them and and we 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 lose sight of that our role you know and i say role and then in my head i'm like ah like there's two meanings to that word right there's two meanings to the word role maybe yeah go for it yeah yeah please do so one is like a role and it's sort of like um a traditional sense of the word where it's like you have these preconceived notions of what a parent should be and then you're just acting to fulfill that role mm-hmm. whether you feel aligned with that or not whether that seems to be working it's it's a it's a fixed role and with a set of ideas and responsibilities there's and the the sense that we're we're meaning in in is um sort of it's harder to articulate um 
it's not about a fixed preconceived notion. It's about inhabiting a particular mm, dynamic yeah. and a p- particular stance. It's like, it's sort of like, there is a, there is a very big quality to leadership in, if you use, if you talk about in the workplace, the word leadership is, is uh, like being a true leader is, um, maps onto the alpha pretty well. And you could, you can be in, you can have a title, a job title. Um, you could be a director or a manager or a whatever, um, an executive. Um, but having that title and going through sort of the motions of, of behaving as it, like a, a, that a director is supposed to behave doesn't make you a true leader. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same way. So when we're talking about the role of the alpha, we're not talking about fulfilling some outer ex, ex, sort of some <laughs> it's hard like to even an put expectation it. sure Is that what you yeah mean? yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not it's like a it comes more from this like this place of within of and i and i you've said this before and you just said it again but i think it is it's an inhabiting of of the alpha that is actually inherently in us and 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 by the way it's not um there's a researcher that did a ted talk on this that i'll put in the show notes but that is um I can't remember his name, but he talks about demystifying the alpha. And hmm. it turns out that he had done done studies on the alpha in primates that got misrepresented in some ways. And so he was trying to clarify what, what his studies and his research actually came up with. But by the way, there's an alpha female and an alpha male. And in primates, there's only one alpha female and one alpha male. And it turns out, though, that it's much, it's far more complex. It's not what people think about, like the chest beating, sort of like macho. That's not really what it is. And actually, if you um, think about an alpha, usually an alpha in those types of settings rises to the top because of their generosity and their um, ability to create harmony Mm. in the, what is it called? Like in the family, but that's not really what it's called in the troop. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. And then there's a way that um, they are so remarkably good at holding the needs of their of their their. What did you just say again? Your troop. troop. Yeah, their troop. <laughs> it's not a word that I'm really familiar with, but it seems yeah, their their troop, and they are um, and they are really. It's actually coming from the place of like meeting the needs of the people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually come from the sort of distorted view of the alpha that is out there in the world right now. And you look at alpha male and you have all those negative connotations. And so when I think about it from that perspective, and I see it from the perspective of someone who's actually holding the space for and, you know, caring about a community, um, to me, that's more what this feels like is it's like the parent who's, who's there saying like, I've got this covered. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other, maybe the distinction here is also one of, of sort of status. 
if we think of, mm-hmm. you know, high status and, and, and status seeking individuals, that's a kind of an ego based selfish um, endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has its place. I mean, that's just a reality that we're all embedded within. You know, it's part of society and mm-hmm. part of human inter- interactions. Um, but, but the goal of or the or the role in the positive sense of the alpha is to provide. It's 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 actually, comp- I mean, in its ideal form, it's it's totally selfless. Yeah, and. And actually, um, if we are if we are kind of balking at something our child says because it offends us, and we get reactive because we, we feel like they're challenging our authority, that's that's actually a trap that we're, where we can, we're losing the alpha, not standing up for it. So this is why it it there's a it's it's complex there's a lot to to sort of both explain what it is and to kind of in the same way to demystify yeah you know to to kind of explain away hopefully some of the mis misunderstandings that that are likely mm-hmm. to occur even not because people have heard the wrong thing about the alpha because they most of us haven't heard of the alpha until you know until we do of course but um but it's because of all the cultural associations with other things that aren't related to parenting mm-hmm. that that yeah. get brought up in the process. Yeah. 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 Well, because there's this whole thing of like, uh, I, I know one of the the things that I've learned is, you know, the concept of power over, you know, and this idea that we don't want to power over yep. people. And that's, you know that's when hierarchies start to go wrong is when we have people who are abusing their power and they're you know they're or misusing their power and they are no longer thinking about how they're holding the the you know the organization if you will with care they're sort of maybe or just, the community or the community or the family right yeah. and they've lost their way in some way so you know the for me, this has been, you know, a, a deep exploration into a much, a, a, like a, how to find nuance in power. Like, po- like it's not, it's not really power over, and yet you are, in a child parent-child relationship, you are bigger, and you are uh, more. You do know more, and you can take care of them. And so it's really holding that with a lot of care and with great responsibility, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And that's the real key to it is to almost be uh, vigilant about that you could hurt this child at any given moment, that you have the power, your words, your behaviors, everything you do has the power to hurt them. And so it's becoming aware of that power and then holding it with such tenderness to know that, oh, like I actually don't ever want to misuse this power. I don't ever want to abuse the power that I have over my child. I want to, I want to, you know, have deep reverence for that. And that's how I look at the alpha. Love yeah. it. Oh my God. I have so many things bursting in my head right now. Yeah. And I'm going to try to capture some of them. Mm. One is that. There's a way in which, because 
there's one there's one people know that as as once you become a parent you know that whether you acknowledge it consciously or not you know that you have power over your child or you have this there's that there is at the very least a power differential there (laughs) right (laughs) Right? yeah there is a power differential and so if we have a very kind of one-sided and negative view of power then one possible response is to sort of reject that power and and sort of abdicate the power and the it's an understandable move but it is a disastrous one because we need that power in order to um parent so but not in the dominating way not in a power over i think maybe uh, to contrast power over we say power in the service of Mm -hmm. and so so but because it does take a fair amount of response it takes a What I was thinking as you were talking is that it takes the more responsibility you have that you take on and that you can wield, the more power you can safely use and have it be actually in service of. Mm -hmm. And so I almost feel like, and I'm, I'm trying to think if I actually consciously did this or not, but I feel like part of my journey has been to for my in my own my own little world earn my power with myself right where mm. i have i have worked hard to be skillful in my interactions Mo- this this has been mostly over my 20 years as an educator and now it's translating to my my uh, my relationship with my with my daughter as a parent it's like the more responsible I know I am, the more I can trust myself with that power. And then the more power I'm able to harness to be mm. in service of mm. their well-being, their growth, their maturity, their mm. healing, and their thriving. Mm. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the alpha. Mm, I love it. And you know what it makes me think about, though? I got to say this is so wild because it's so easy to, as the kids get older think that you no longer need to do that for them and you work with high schoolers and I'm raising two teenagers and so we're talking about that like this is actually something we hold even when it's I think it's easier we look at our kids and they're maybe they're back talking or maybe they're trying to act independent and they're not doing the things we want them to do and there's these things happening and we may think oh yeah, like I, I just don't need to do like clearly they don't need me anymore, and we sort of maybe throw our hands up in the air, and we and we don't know really how to step in anymore because like when you look at a tiny little baby, it is so obvious that we need to take care of them. It's so obvious the little baby is like is not going to feed itself, and you know it needs to be held, and it's so clear. But as they get older and they start acting in their own ways that maybe look like they're they're no they don't need you anymore it's so easy to be tricked by that mm. and think you no longer need to be in that alpha role yeah or they no longer need you to be in that alpha role and when it's not true it's so not true they they need it maybe even more because they're getting it less mm. right it's it's most babies are getting a lot of attention even if it's um kind of 
I don't know. Regardless of the quality of that attention, mm-hmm. it's sort of like it's pretty obvious. You just gotta feed them and change their diaper, and uh, you know, like like hold them if they're crying, and you know, right. try something. You know, right. it's right. like right. it's it's hard to not attend to a crying baby. Right, right. I mean, and even like, like a stranger would attend to a yeah, crying like, baby oh if needed. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like so, everyone's kind of watching out for the babies. But teens, people go, oh, you work with teens? Oh, God. Yeah, you know, I know. It's like people are afraid of teens mm-hmm. for, for, for a good reason. I mean, I, I get it. I don't, it's so not my experience that it's, I don't, I, 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 I kind of don't get it at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get it intellectually, but I, but, but I think the thing is, and this comes from uh, someone named Dr. Thomas Gordon, not to be confused with Gordon Neufeld. Um, and he wrote a book and, and created a whole training program called the Parent Effectiveness Training, which um, is is pretty helpful, actually. He says that um, the reason that adolescents seem to be really rebellious is 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 that it's they've 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 been resisting all along inside, but it's just that as they mature, they get that power to push back finally. And, um, and so that, that really struck me because, um, a lot of times we, we kind of have this view of teens that they're, you know, very kind of disrespectful and, and some are right. But it's like, it's, it's, it points to the fact that there may be this deeper problem. And I think there is that the dynamic is off and it's just that we as parents can get away with it for a long time until finally mm-hmm. it hits adolescence and then all of a sudden we get all this pushback. And so it it kind of the implication is the sooner we can make this shift, the sooner we can understand the the ways that the alpha can go wrong and become a power over situation as opposed to a power in service of, the better. Um and and I think when we get it right, it helps avoid um that that pushback that is is almost certain to come down the road if we don't get it right yes so one one way to think about this um power it can it can kind of go in it can go off the rails in two ways and if you think of this there's a common spectrum of parenting right from on the one hand permissive and on the other hand authoritarian and really, if you look at that spectrum through the lens of power, it's like authoritarian is the sort of overuse or the abuse of power, using too much of it in the wrong ways. Mm-hmm. And permissive parenting is not employing enough power. And so, so the, 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 but the key idea here is that the, the right amount and kind of power is not just sort of halfway between those two poles it's a third elevated position it's it you have to think not of actually a spectrum but of a triangle and that the peak of that triangle is is a skillful use of of a good amount of power this responsible skillful application of power in service of mm-hmm. what do you think I think that sounds amazing, and it's. Have you described it that way before? I don't no, know that I've ever seen. I now. have not. It just came to me. Yeah, <laughs> as we well, were talking. I know, as we were talking. I yeah. like it, and I want to. I want to think about. So, 
So my first question is, why is it not in the middle? Do you know? Do you have a thought well, on why my, it's my, not in the my middle? My thought between? is that if you, if you just go in the middle, it's it's sort of like, if and you think of it just as a slider, you're going from low power to, it, 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 there's there's, you sort of need an x-axis and a y-axis. Mm-hmm. And one axis is just sort of low power and one is high power, but then the y-axis is, is quality, mm-hmm. right? You want a high quality. Um, now this gets away from the triangle, but if we, if we think of four quadrants, you, if you have, if you are low on the y-axis, it's a poor quality, then you, it's, maybe it's good to be low power. You want to, you want to <laughs> really turn, if it's, if, if the, if the signal of your radio is really garbled, maybe turn the volume down, right? Mm. But if you have great music, you want to play it loud because then everyone can enjoy it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can, you can play kind of bad music loud and that's, you know, one way to go wrong, or you can just not play the, any mu- music loud enough at all, and 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 kids need the music. Mm. Yeah, so I I like it, and I think what when you made it look like a triangle in my yeah. mind, what I two things that came to my mind, yeah, and they're so it seems like that perhaps when we're on the bottom of the triangle and we're going from one side being permissive to the other being authoritarian or or I would say like, yeah, yeah, like, okay. So when we're along that line, in some ways it is very, mm, let's say, parent-oriented. It's like parent-centric. It's sort of like what what we feel more comfortable doing. Like maybe my nature might be that I'm a little bit more of a laissez-faire parent and I just feel like I don't really want to put many boundaries in place and it just feels uncomfortable for me. It might actually just be part of my personality that I'm like conflict-averse and you know so it feels kind of comfortable to parent there and maybe I've read some books that you know go along that and then maybe if I'm on the side of the authoritarian parent it might be because either I was parented that way and I think that it's the way to parent or or it might be the more natural place for me too I might just be like oh this is like this feels good because like I got to control my kids I have in my head that I need to raise kids who are going to grow up to be you know respectful and etc when we go to the triangle we sort of like like you said it's like an elevation and it's more about the orientation is more like um seeing a bigger picture and looking at saying like, well, what is actually best for my child? And so it might even require a person to elevate themselves a little bit out of the like their natural inclination, their natural personality inclination, I should say, because I do believe that alpha is deeply natural. So I do, I do believe it's deeply natural underneath our personalities. There's a deep instinctive, like, instinctive kind of like call for that. Yeah. So to me, it's like, there's something that felt right when you described it more like a triangle because it felt like, yes, I do need to sort of step into something. I need to like step into a place. And I think you can be a very um, conflict-averse person and still actually step into the alpha. For sure. And in fact, I think if you step into the alpha, you will absolutely end up with far less conflict. I agree. 
So at the end of the day, you probably get what you want or what you feel more comfortable in, but it does require you to, requires one to kind of embody that alpha in this way that kind of takes you out of those two polar opposites and brings you into something that's just real, like almost like presence. That was the other word I got. When Mm. you went there, I felt like it was like stepping in, coming into this like peak of like, presence and you know i'm dalai lama and i'm just holding (laughs) you know i'm like holding space for everyone Mm -hmm. you know not to get too esoteric but it feels like that's yeah there's an there's definitely there's definitely an element of that for sure of of um of well i was thinking about when i'm when i'm embodying the alpha really well really powerfully in a in a in service of kind of way with my you know, crying two-year-old, I'm, I'm, I'm unruffled. I'm Mm, calm. mm -hmm. I'm, I am present and I'm allowing her to have her feelings. I'm not trying to change. Obviously it's, there's a time and a place to comfort, but sometimes there's, you know, comforting is more for us than for them Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we're just going, I can't listen to you cry. You got to stop crying. And I have felt that way myself. But when I'm really in that alpha um, embodying the alpha, um, I'm holding space. I'm like, Hey, if you need to cry, you can cry. And, and I'm just, but I'm here and that's, and that's that. And you, and, and you might not even recognize it, but as soon as you kind of get enough of your feelings out to like take a deep breath and calm down, even just as just to come like the littlest of bits, you know she's gonna go oh and here here he is he's still there Mm -hmm. and that's that secure base of attachment that we talk about yes yeah and then you said something about being unruffled and in some ways right like as soon as we turn that into something that it's not like we start to make meaning of the you know the baby's crying and i have to fix this and i you know and I can't handle this. I'm so tired. I don't want this anymore. You know, we sort of get out of presence and we get into these stories that make us want to control the situation. And that's not what alpha is. So alpha is what you're talking about. And yeah, and there's a way that it's like a, a dropping in more of like, oh, this is what we're doing now. Okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. We're going to sit in crying for a little while and not needing to change it and yet being there to say, but when you're ready to, it's also not, it's not also like, a, well, when you're done crying, when you're ready to be done crying, I'll be here waiting for you. It's not that. It's sort of like, I'm with you. I'm like right here with you. And I'm the one that's saying like, you know, we've, we've got this. I've got this for you. You go ahead and do whatever you need to do, and I'm going to be holding everything together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and totally. there's something different that I think in my nervous system sort of is like. Oh. <laughs> there is a big, yeah, a big nervous system component to this because there is like a, you know, I think it's a prerequisite for embodying the alpha to have a regulated nervous system oneself. And if I'm dysregulated, I'm just not going to be as uh, effective with my child. I mean, it's just like, it's sort of painfully obvious. I mean, Mm -hmm. whether that's with me with my two-year-old or me with a teenager, like if a teenager comes in stressed out and I meet that stress with stress, I'm sort of 
letting them set the tone on an on a physiological level before we even have the yeah. before the conversation even gets going so they come in with stress i need to come in with and stay with grounded calmness and make space for that stress so i'm not trying to change them or or alter them um but i'm i'm taking responsibility for setting that tone because i know i know that 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 teenager doesn't want to leave that session still stressed if possible they would rather be more calm more grounded Mm -hmm. more relaxed so so i want to set the tone for for not just for myself for 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 them and this is why it's in service of yes i'll bet you that um I bet you a lot of people don't know how to regulate their nervous systems. I bet you a lot of people don't have, don't feel they have regulated nervous systems. I just have um, a lot of people who tell me that it's just hard for them when their kids are upset. It's hard for them to not get triggered by it. Yeah. You know, and so I want to suggest that we have an episode to talk about nervous system regulation. <laughs> I would yeah. love to talk about yeah. that. That's it's like a whole, a, it's definitely a whole episode worth of exploration. Yeah, I think some people don't even know that we, like, I mean, we all know we have a nervous system, but we don't think about our nervous system that much. We might be in a body that has a dysregulated nervous system and we might feel anxiety and reactivity and like a nervousness and stress, but we don't know that there's actually there are actually things we can do to regulate that nervous system. And one of the things that I've understood is that our children, uh, they don't actually have the ability to regulate their nervous systems. And so they need us, they need to co-regulate by using us. And that, you know, and, and I'd love to hear your take on this, but from what I understand, it's this this way that if I, if my nervous system is not regulated, they actually will co-regulate to my dysregulated nervous system. So they will actually yeah. kind of match up to it. That's right. And yeah. so the more that we do the work of regulating our nervous systems and understanding when we're dysregulated and then knowing how to engage the parasympathetic nervous system to bring us back to homeostasis, like the more we know how to do that, the the better it is for our children for the long term because they're literally developing their nervous system and their nervous system nervous system regulation by by using us. So I think, yes, let's say we're going to talk about it more in depth because I think you and I could easily have a great conversation about this. And also just acknowledging that from from what you said, um, that the alpha, you know, part of the alpha really is about understanding our nervous systems and understanding how our reactivity does contribute to, say, uh, everything. (laughs) Because it really does Mm -hmm. at the... You know, if there was one body part that I think impacts our day, all day long, it's our nervous system. And yet we don't learn a lot about it. And so I think that if we can be, the more we can learn this, imagine like our children will get the benefit. They, like we don't, we, we could, we could probably do nervous system work alone and understand the alpha and then probably just be like change a whole generation of children because they would, if we did it, they borrow it from us and then they get it. They get this healthier nervous system. 
So, so, okay. So we've been talking a lot about nervous system, very important stuff, obviously. Um, but if we, if we get back to just the concept of the alpha, there's, um, one, one thing that has been super relevant for me lately, it's been up. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it in mm-hmm. case there's other parents out there who have young ones. And, and actually this, this carries through to lots of different ages, but um, it comes straight from Newfeld, and he talks about um, the demanding child. Mm-hmm. And there's a way in which when a child becomes demanding, they are stepping into, they're, they're seizing the alpha because now they're the ones sort of issuing demands and, and it's not the positive alpha, but it's still the alpha. And so if we kind of, you know, go, oh, and we, here's the thing is, is oftentimes we get it kind of confounded with attending to their needs, mm-hmm. right? Because we also talked about earlier, um, that one of the key principles of attachment parenting is like responsiveness. And it's not just that, but that's one source of that idea of, Hey, and, and, and it is good parenting, especially in the first nine months of life, yes. is just being ultra responsive to the needs of the child. But as the child gets older, even at one and a half, two years old, and certainly by the time they're, you know, preteens and teens, um, kids can become demanding. And Neufeld says that a demanding child can never be satiated mm. because what they're really wanting isn't for their demand to be fulfilled, but for the alpha position to be re- reclaimed mm-hmm. by the parent, by the parent. Mm-hmm. And so if we, if, if we bend over backwards to try to meet those demands, we're just further deepening the mm-hmm. problem because we're proving that we're not in the alpha position by 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 um, ceding to that demand. Yes. So that's a that's just like such. I'm so present with how hard it is to resist falling into that trap right now with my two year old, and also I'm seeing how how drastically different the outcome is depending on if I fall prey to it or I resist it and stay you know in my alpha presence mm-hmm. um, the outcomes are just like night and day different are you able to pull up something that is an example of some, like I, I feel like it sounds really it makes tons of sense right but then when they're in the situation oh my god you know if you yeah, yeah. Do you have well I, I don't want to throw my two-year-old under the bus here okay okay well, it doesn't have to be about her it could be a hypothetical use similar <sighs> a hypothetical identical person <laughs> <laughs> don't worry she's probably like most two-year-olds so <laughs> okay well so um she wakes up in the and um is crying in from in the middle of the night and and she just um is expressing a need i want my baba okay um there's a way in which there's this is why it gets complicated because there's a way in which on the one hand she's hungry on the other hand uh, on, on on another hand she's just wanting some soothing and both of those are totally legitimate and yet um there's an element there where she's being demanding 
and so it's it's sort of like threading a needle it can feel like to both to to actually provide what she's asking for but not be just running around like oh oh that's what you want okay let's yeah. go get it okay so i'm gonna try to help you uh not be uh, so upset anymore here you go here you go here's your bottle okay yes yeah so it's partly in in how um i respond to that and how i stay connected or don't stay connected to myself so what i'll try to do instead of just kind of going oh that's what she needs and getting frantic and frantically trying to to meet that demand i will take a pause and I'll comfort her first and say, okay, sweetie, we can get a bottle. That's okay. Yeah, we can do that. Just, you know, um, and I will let her, I will, I will let her come to a bit of a calm place. And then as soon as she calms down, go downstairs to get the, to get it. So, um, so that way, um, I'm not sort of reinforcing her being demanding and mm. instead I'm, I'm, but I'm letting her know both in what I'm saying and doing that I'm, I'm here, I'm here for you and I'm going to get your needs met. You're going to get your needs met. I'm going to, and I'm going to help facilitate that. I think maybe an even better example, um, came six months ago when we were still sort of really struggling to put her down and she would cry every time we put her to sleep. And so this time, um, you know, we'd put her down, she'd cry, then we'd sometimes pick her up and then put her down and we, we fell into that trap. Right. And, and I just, I really didn't want to, and even though we occasionally did put her down and just walk away. Um, and so in this case, what I did was I held her and she knew exactly what was about to happen. She was going down in the crib and that was going to happen. And that, that sort of, um, that was, that's part of the alpha saying, Hey, this is, it's time for bed now. So you're going to go into the crib. It's not an option, but I also didn't want to leave her or abandon her in that moment of distress because she really was, you know, I think wanting to stay connected. Right. So instead of like, so she started issuing these demands. I want this. I want that. I want mama. I want a baba. I want this. I want that. And um, she wanted just one. I want the chair. I want to sit in the chair, right? Mm-hmm. Anything but just standing over the crib. <laughs> and I didn't even say anything. I just held her and I stayed really calm. And I just was swaying back and forth with her. And she was crying and crying and crying. And I just was like, this is, this is this is happening, but I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be with you until you kind of get through this, um, your emotions. And, um, and it was tough and it lasted for what felt like an eternity. I don't know how long we, I stood there with her. (laughs) It might've been 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe it was 10 minutes of her crying, 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 crying. Um, but eventually what happened was, and, and and this is why the theory is so helpful, is that I knew that if I hung in there and I just stayed calm and I stayed grounded and I stayed regulated and I let her have her feelings and I didn't try to rush her through them, that she would get through it. And that once she got through it, her something would shift in her brain and, and she would then seek 
her secure base, which was me and me. And I was right there. And that's exactly what happened. I knew it was going to happen. I thought, I believed it was going to happen, but it was still, there was still like, let's see if it really happens. Mm -hmm. And it is exactly what happened. She cried, 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 cried. And I just didn't even say anything like I said. I just rocked her and held her. And I was very calm, very patient. And then at some point she was like, ah. And then finally she kind of was like, and then just nuzzled into my chest. Hmm. She just put her head down and nuzzled in. Hmm. And it was all those things that she was saying she wanted were like, couldn't be further from her mind. And she just nuzzled in and she just kind of, I think kind of fell asleep in my arms. And then then I was able to just gently, uh, maybe while she was still sort of half asleep, half awake, put her in the crib. Um, But I, but I held her for a long, a, a long enough time that I felt like she was also really getting filled up with some good connection, good attachment energy. You know what? When you say that, it makes me think that I think it's just hard for humans in some ways to to get through our nervous systems down to what we really want. Like even as, an, as adults, it's like, you know, we're grasping, like I grasp for my phone or for food or for something when I'm longing for connection, but it takes, but if my nervous system is activated, then naturally, like it's going to take some time to get to the place where I can go like, you know, calm my nervous system enough and, and then look for what I'm really craving. And in that situation, it was like, you knew that what she thought she wanted wasn't what she really needed. So that's one of the other differentiations too, between a demanding child, a demanding child wants things that sound like they need them it's what they want and if we respond to everything that they want we sometimes miss what they needed exactly yeah and so what she needed was the connection but it took time because her nervous system maybe it was from being at you know at school during the day or because something else happened her nervous system was uh was her nervous system caused her to be unavailable for that connection until she processed enough of it to come to that place yeah and it makes a lot of sense i haven't thought about it in that way before but it really makes a lot of sense and i want to echo something that gordon newfeld talks about that it's not that we are necessarily providing for each of their needs so much as that we are the solution we are what they're looking for and you said that but i just want to emphasize it's like it's like literally what she was longing for was there all of that time but she wasn't available for it yet and then when she became available and got that need met it didn't actually it, it really didn't matter anymore she was there she got that and then and then i don't know it would have been interesting if you had just like put her in shortly thereafter into her crib i'm even curious like you know is it do we become satiated and and then we're available for like disconnection i don't i don't really but like separation is yeah. a better word yeah. for it yeah yeah that's fascinating that's a really good example i think of and it makes me also think about the importance that I wished I had learned this younger I was actually pretty good when they were my kids were really young and then there was this period of time where I wasn't as good about this but I really wish I understood how important it is to allow spaciousness so I remember when the kids would be going to school and then I would not leave enough time and so naturally my nervous system starts getting escalated because I like being on time and so when my nervous system is escalated then they're you know co-regulating to me or they're co-matching my nervous system they're dysregulating they're co-dysregulating to me (laughs) exactly um and then you know nothing goes right 
So I, I changed our whole schedule in the mornings and I said, we are going to have a, an entire half an hour of buffer. Everyone woke up a half an hour earlier. I didn't talk to them about it. I, they were young enough that I was able to just say, okay, we all have to get up at this time. And that spaciousness changed our entire morning. We almost every morning had time to just sit down and connect before we left for school. Mm. And it wasn't on purpose that we, that ended up being an added benefit to it. But I guess what I'm saying is it's about taking away the pressure of time. Because that's what you did. You even said, you consciously said, I'm in this for as long as I need to be. Yeah. And a friend of mine was just talking to me about her son who is a high schooler. And he was upset about something, and it was 11 o'clock at night. And she was like, ugh. Like, you know, in her mind, she's thinking, now? Really? 11 o'clock at night? This is when we're going to do it? <laughs> you know? And what ended up happening was she very quickly said to herself, oh, no, I'm in it. I'm in it. However long it takes, I'm in it. And it completely opened up everything. And then it became like the, there was spaciousness for everyone to just be with what was there instead of resisting. Oh my gosh, I need to go to bed. He needs to go to bed. He needs to have to wake up early. I have to make sure he gets to sleep. We need to end this conversation. All that inner dialogue. When that's just arguing with reality. You know, and so a lot of this also is just not arguing with reality. Like, okay, this is where we are right now. Okay, we're dealing with crying before we go to sleep. We're dealing with a lot of demands you know, and that we don't necessarily have to act on them, that we know a little bit better what would be best for them. I mean, it's a slippery slope. The whole we know best can be a slippery right, slope. Right, right, right. Well, if, if, it's, if, if we're <clears throat> understanding that what they, they, I mean, you articulated it so clearly earlier and I loved it. It's like, if we understand that ultimately what they're needing is for, is, is that safe, secure connection and base of attachment, if they're needing, if, if, then, then all those surface level demands lose their potency. Yeah. But um, I think um, you know, as if we if we step back and kind of look at the alpha, and and sort of summarize what we what we've been talking about, it's like the alpha is the providing is is the providing side of the attachment relationship. So. And what we're providing is not a bunch of little things. It's us. It's the yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's um, the relationship and being present and available and self-regulated. Those are some in, important ingredients in the in the um, mix to to be available for that. Yes. Um, and. Um, when and, and, and kids will repeatedly challenge that, right? Because there's a way in which um, we actually almost need it to grow into a stronger alpha ourselves. We get that we, when we get that challenge, and then we have to like meet the challenge, and like it makes us more uh, powerful. And 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 if you, if we don't kind of, I'm just thinking about this as just practically if we don't keep having that challenge occur over time you know and all of a sudden we have an adolescent and then they challenge us then we're going to get knocked over we mm -hmm. so so it can be frustrating when we get that challenge but i think knowing that it's really necessary and healthy and normal and and part of just part of the deal can can be helpful 
and um, and to understand that um, that the the true demands of 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 being of being an alpha and of being a parent in that way, it's sort of coming not from the kid; it's coming from life itself. It's it's like the situation. It's coming from the situation. The situation is demanding something of us, is requiring, is calling for. It's calling for something in us. And we have the choice of whether of whether we're gonna meet that and how we're gonna meet that. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not about being perfect, but it's but for me, the more I understand what it how I could possibly do do that well. If you don't have an, if if I don't have an even an inkling of what it means to do it well, I'm certainly it's going to be very unlikely that I come close to doing it well. So so just being being aware of what this what this construct is, it's and it's a very ancient construct. It's not just humans. It's maybe all of mammals in different ways, um, it, and um, and so it's it's so fundamental and it is instinctive and it is universal um understanding it is so helpful so helpful yeah so i i want to say one last thing and maybe um and obviously if you want to add anything please do but um but and then we can wrap up here and that is that it is inevitable that we are gonna miss the mark inevitable and especially if we've never heard of the alpha then we're just you know <laughs> um, we're gonna just you know our, our whatever parenting strategies we have been employing are either gonna you know align with this or not and it's kind of like arbitrary almost so it's we're all gonna miss the mark in certain ways and that's fortunately that's been built factored into the equation that for a very healthy happy well-adjusted child we don't have to be perfect at all not even close we just but it's it's more like just i think the more we hit the mark the better it's just that that's how i look at it and um and if there are if there are is if there's conflict or there are problems arising it's just a very good place to look to see okay if if adjustments feel like they need to be made it's almost certainly related to this so it's just such a helpful construct in that way too and um and 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 maybe this is also what i'm about to say is a, a topic for a whole other episode but the idea of repair, which you yes. you do a great job of 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 talking about, but I'll just I'll just give a nod to it, and that is that um, whether it's with a two year old or a twelve year old or anywhere in between or twenty year old or whatever, um, the idea that we can get off track, we can not be regulated ourselves and then we can come back later when we are regulated when we are more calm when we do have more presence of mind and say oh you know i'm so sorry i i, I said that earlier i did that or you know um you know that wasn't me being at my best and i want to do over those kinds of things really go a long way and and um are very helpful in 
in just addressing when we do miss the mark, which is, like I said, obviously going to happen. Right. Well, and there's deep connection that happens in repair. Mm. And often the person that you're repairing with feels seen which is something we all crave. So if you didn't see them before, but then you then you go back and you actually spent time thinking about it and then you came back and talked to them, it means you really mattered. you know. And I think that those things are like super important and can't, it's almost like you could almost say that the repair is, is um, like needing to repair is as, as has its own level of importance. And then the other piece of it is it teaches our children that when they make mistakes and they miss the mark in relationships, that they have a way to be able to navigate that, that they don't just have to be, you know, oh no, I just need to hide in shame or I just need to, you know, pretend that that didn't happen. They get to see that, oh no, like, you know what, the, the way we handle this is we go back and we talk to the person and we, yeah. you know, and then we try to do a little bit better next time. Yeah. That's one of the that. other challenges is like, Sometimes we apologize a lot for the same thing over and over again. And there does need to be a commitment to self that says that, you know, if I notice myself apologizing for the same thing over and over again, it's possible I need to do a little bit of introspection on what I could be doing proactively here. You know, so there's, a, sure. there's a little bit of both in there, but there's no question in along the lines of the, the part about that we'll miss the mark. It's also just reiterating that it's never too late. And that, you know, all humans crave this. Like there, there are adults walking around right now wishing for their parents to, to have taken care of them. They're like looking for bosses to take care of them and partners, and partners to yeah. look for care of them and children to take care of them. Yeah. You know, because they're, they haven't, they didn't get those attachment needs met and they're lo- still longing. And so we know for a fact that if it's your teenager, if it's your 30-year-old, you could actually really repair the attachment by by you know, I'm not suggesting that you need to step in in alpha in the same way you would with your 10-year-old, but that there's a way that you can hold that energy of like I am still here for you. I'm still your I'm like the solution. I'm the answer. Well, and and in terms of repair, part of it is taking responsibility it's not it's not enough to apologize right it's taking responsibility for one's part for one's role and that word that phrase of taking responsibility it fits completely with the spirit of the alpha is like you're the one taking responsibility for the the meeting the needs for the well-being for caring for for providing and um and so it's it's very in line with that and 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 um uh, an amazing therapist and and parent coach, Polly Ely, pointed out one time um, about repair, the importance of repair. She said, you know, imagine right now if your parents came to you and said, hey, remember that time when you were 14 and, and that thing happened? You know what? I'm sorry. Like. It gave me goosebumps. Me too. <laughs> and I didn't even say what the thing was. I don't know if there was a thing. But it's like that's how that's how real it is. So mm-hmm. it really is never too late. And and it's it's remarkable that that's how we're, we're um that's how we're built. That's how we're built. So that's gonna do it for us today. Thank you so much for being with us on this 
exploration of the alpha <laughs> and of attachment. And, um, and if you have questions, please let us know. Um, please share this, like it, all the usual things. Um, subscribe. Yeah. And, um, and we look forward to um, continuing the journey. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.